0: Well, hello again. I you know I'm so glad that you are with us and I'm glad that I have the opportunity to share with you for the next few moments. And as we begin, I want you to to think of a time when you were physically exhausted. And I don't mean you were tired because it was midnight and, and you, you're used to going to bed at nine o'clock. I mean that you worked really hard all day you did something really really physically strenuous and you were exhausted okay you got it okay now hold hold on to that that image when when i was going into 7th grade the summer between 6th and 7th grade i went on my very first youth group summer trip and it was amazing it was one of the wildest youth group trips i've ever been on and I have been on a lot, um, you know, so there, there were so, so many things that happened on this trip. But one in particular, we uh, we were in Tennessee and we were in the mountains of Tennessee and we decided one day for a down day uh, that we were going to float on inner tubes down the Hiawassee River. Um, it, was, it was a, a thing that, that our, our youth pastor found, and we decided to do it. And they were taking us there. Before we launched out, they gave us one instruction, only one instruction. Always stay left. Do not go right. It was a little ambiguous. We didn't really know what it was, but Okay. And so the group I was with, I was with my older brother who was a senior that year, my cousin who was a junior that year, and all of their friends. And uh, I, I was with them luckily, and uh, we decided we didn't want to just float and relax. Instead, we wanted to uh, to have fun and go on. So we paddled, and we paddled and, and left the group pretty, uh, pretty quickly. Uh, about 20, 25 minutes in, there's a fork in the river, and we realized then what the one instruction was all about. And we did what seemed logical to us and we went right, obviously. Now, spoiler, it was a horrible decision. It was awful. We ended up we ended up being chased by water moccasins, which are poisonous snakes, if, if you don't know. And we ended up getting caught in a lightning storm, which you don't want to be in water during one of those. And, and I know it sounds like I'm making this up, but I promise it's true. I could write a book off of the things that happened just in this one trip. It was crazy. Ask me sometime, I'll tell you. Anyways, as the storm comes in, we see a road. And so we decided to get out of the water because we didn't, we didn't want to die. And so we decided to get out of the water and walk down the road. And so we walked what felt like miles and miles and miles barefoot in the rain. And I, I can still remember how exhausted I, I was as we were walking back. I felt like my feet weighed about 80 pounds and I just remember being so miserable and so exhausted. And I think what was worse was the six other guys that I was with, they didn't seem tired at all. They they thought this was hilarious. They were laughing and, and, and it just seemed like this was a funny story to them. And I was so exhausted that I wanted to cry. You know, it's, it's interesting, like we've all been at that point, right? This physical exhaustion. And that, that's one thing. But can you remember a time when you were emotionally or mentally exhausted? And we probably can think of one of those too. And the crazy thing is, is they really often go together. When you're physically tired, you are more emotional. And when you're emotionally tired, you, you tend to get a little bit, Sleepy, you know. This morning we're going to talk about this this time in Matthew eleven when Jesus responded to exhaustion. He addressed this this exhaustion that he that he saw, and his um, his response to exhaustion was a little bit different than we probably would imagine. It was definitely different than our response to exhaustion. See, his response to exhaustion was. An invitation, and so for the next few minutes, I want to look at this invitation, and I, and I want to start by answering this question: To whom was this invitation? To whom was this invitation? See, he says in there, all who weary and are heavy laden. The, these people, this these people that he was inviting, were those who were exhausted. The ones who were exhausted. And, and I know that we've heard over the past six months, this, hey, we're all tired and we're all stressed and we're all uh, worried. And, and you might be thinking, okay, I get it. You think we're tired. You think we're worried. But, but I want to share with you why we, we say this, why we have been, been saying that over the last few months is because some of us are not good at recognizing when we're exhausted. Some of us are not good at recognizing when we're tired, and I'm one of those people. I, I'm one of those people. Now, physically, sometimes I can get it, but really I can run on adrenaline and keep myself going and, and emotionally and, and, and mentally, I'm not good at noticing when I'm exhausted there. I just kind of bury it down and I ignore it and I, and I push it all down until it's too late and I am about to crash. And, I, and the, the reason we talk about it is because it's so important that we all understand That exhaustion is part of life, but rest should be as well. You need to be aware when you're exhausted and you need to learn to rest. See, in Genesis, after after God finished creation... He rested. He instituted this Sabbath, a day of rest. It's six days of work and one day of, of rest. We are to work and expend our energy, and then we are to rest. It is this rhythm that we are supposed to have. But we, especially in America, are not good at the rest part of this. We are we are a striving society, we are a uh, we are a driven society, and because of this, we are an exhausted society. You know, Jesus addresses this here in Matthew 11. You know, this is the, the group of people that Jesus invited, the exhausted one, those who are exhausted from working. And, and you know, these, these ones who have taken on this work, this physical job, and maybe you feel that exhaustion from this physical working. You're, you're working with your job or or at your house, is physically exhausted, or... Maybe it's a spiritual working where you're working so hard to make sure that, that everything looks good and that you're playing the part well and, and, and you're exhausted from, from trying to make sure that, that everything looks good. Or, or maybe it is a, a worrying. You're exhausted from, from worrying. We are living in a time of ambiguity overload. We are, we are very unsure of what is going to happen over the next few months when it comes to school or our jobs or our health or the health of our family members or the economy or what's going to happen in the presidential election or with the social and racial unrest that's going on right now. We live in this time of ambiguity overload and it's exhausting. Or maybe some are exhausted from their wounds where you've been hurt. Things have happened and you are hurt and it's exhausting from trying to get over the wounds. But not only that, you're exhausted from trying to act like everything is okay. And so you're exhausted possibly from working, from worrying or from wounds. And then Jesus, Jesus reveals the, the real place of danger. And see, he says here, notice he says that and are, it is this, this word and is a copulative and cumulative force. All of this exhaustion is connected. All of this is growing into something else. The real culprit here, the real danger here is where this cumulative force leads. And and this, this term heavy laden means that you're so exhausted, you're so overburdened that you find yourself having spiritual anxiety. It is this spiritual anxiety. And it's, this is what Jesus is talking about here. These little things add up and they build up and they grow into spiritual anxiety. And when we hit a spiritual anxiety, we know it because we begin to ask questions that really aren't questions. They're anger statements shaped in the form of a question. And it sounds like this. God, why would you, or if God is good, then why would he, God, why, why do you allow? You see, we've all been there. We are all there now, or we're going to be be there. And no matter where you land on this continuum, this is for you. This is for those who are exhausted and you are in this spiritual anxiety right now. And, and Jesus says, you can come. This is for you. And, and this is for, for those who are exhausted, but haven't quite hit that spiritual anxiety. And you just want to know how to avoid this. This is for you. And, and then this is for those who are, not even exhausted and you just want to to know how to avoid all of that altogether. This is for you. This is for all of us. See, Jesus addresses this way of life, and he addresses this exhaustion with an invitation. And this invitation wasn't simply to sleep, but it was into a new way of living. See, what was this invitation? This invitation was threefold. It was come, take, and learn. First, it was come. This come is imperative. It is come now, come immediately. Come right now. If you're tired, if you're exhausted, come now before you get there. If you're already there, come now. Don't wait and stay in there. Come now. Then he says, "Take, take my yoke upon you." Now, what is a yoke? Now, that's not part of our everyday uh, usage here. So, so what is a yoke? Some of you thought I said yoke. That's not what he's saying here. What Jesus said is yoke and that is this. This is a piece of equipment that you would put two animals between and you would attach this to them and the other end would be attached to a, a, a wagon or a plow and it would be used to work and it would look kind of like this and they would pull this because they knew that when there was two pulling this burden, it wasn't so heavy. When there were two going together, they could go far They could do more. And it's interesting that in uh, in order to give rest, Jesus tells us to put on a piece of equipment that is used for work. See, I said earlier that his response is different than our response would be. See, our response would be to sleep, but Jesus' response was work, but in a better way. See, our idea of rest is to stop working. Jesus' idea of rest is to work better, work better, live better. See, what, what he says here is take my yoke. What, what he's saying is use my yoke, do it my way. And before I can do it his way, I first have to take off my way right I have to I have to remove my yoke in order to put his yoke on I have to stop doing things my way in order to do things his way I have to to remove my way of doing things as hard as that is it is for the best look at verse 25 here he says I thank you father lord of heaven and earth that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children." And see, it is, it is hidden from our reach. It is hidden from our abilities. We are not able to do this in our strength. So Jesus is saying, hey, it doesn't really work for you to do it your way. So do it my way. Let's, let's do this my way. This means that we have to submit to him, give him control. And then the third part of this invitation is for us to learn from him, learn from me. This learning from from him. This is this idea of, of learning through the habit of a practice. The more we do it, the more we learn. The more we submit, the more we learn from him. The more we walk with him, the more we learn from him how to live this way. And so how do we, how do we do this? So let's, let's look at this, this yoke again. See, there are two animals. There are two in there. Jesus is not saying, here's my yoke. You figure it out. You can do it. Good job, buddy. No, what he's saying is, let's do this together. Let's do this together. I want you to not only do it my way, but I want to help and walk with you. See, some of us are so exhausted and we're exhausting ourselves from working for him. When I believe God is looking down saying, I want to help. I want to help you. And then there's a promise in this invitation. What is this promise of this invitation? It is rest for your souls. It is rest. Rest is the promise, right? But, but, but it's interesting that this rest comes from an invitation not to sit, but to work and rest. It is, it is not, a, it is not a, a time to cease working. It is a new way to work. It is a new way to work and live, you see, you, you may have heard the phrase work smarter, not harder. And that is a really, really, really bad translation of what Jesus is saying here is that, that hey, it's, it's not just about working hard. It's not just about about working through all these things. It is about doing something a different way because your way of doing it, my way of doing it, the way we have always done it has led us to spiritual anxiety. And it's important that we notice that Jesus isn't saying that we get to stop. He's saying there's a better way. He's not saying give up. He's saying, hey, let's do this together a better way. And he proposes that the better way is with him. Submit to him and learn from him. And the more we do this, the more we practice this habit, the more we we begin to trust his ways. And the more natural it becomes for us to trust his ways. You see, some of us have a hard time relying on God because honestly, we can't imagine that God would would care about us, that God would love us. We can't imagine that, that God would, would welcome us in and walk with us because of all that we've done. So we have to clean ourselves up and make sure that we've got all of our stuff together so that we can, we can look the right way and live the right way with Him. And some of us have a hard time relying on God, not just because of that, but because of the way we were raised. Maybe you were raised in a way that suggested or outright told you that you have to have everything put together and working right and looking right, and you have to be a good little boy or a good little girl, and, and, and you have to make sure that you work everything together so that it is working nicely, and, and it is exhausting, right? And some of us have a hard time relying on God because of the things that have happened in our lives. We've learned from experience that we have to do everything ourselves. We've learned through our experiences that that we have to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and and we can only rely on ourselves and and we have to be the tough ones and we have to be the brave ones. And that's exhausting, right? And the more we practice the habit, or, or maybe we, we would be more comfortable with calling it the discipline of taking off our ways, taking off our yoke and doing and putting on his ways, putting on his yoke. The more we put into practice that habit or that discipline, the more we realize how much better his ways are. And it's not that we become more aware of our insufficiencies. It is that we simply realize it's not about our sufficiency at all. Because it's not about doing things. It's about being with him. It's about walking with him. It's about working with him. And ultimately, the biggest outcome of our response to this invitation is that we come to know him. We come to know him. In verse 27, we can look back at that. It says, no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. And then right there, with no pause, with no subject change, with with nothing, he jumps right into what we've been talking about. Immediately after this, no one can know the father except for the one that the son chooses to reveal him. So come to me. Come now. What he's saying is, I want to reveal to you him. I want to show you him. I want to help you learn who he is. And we do this just simply by responding to him, by taking off our way and putting on his way. You know, a few weeks ago on uh, Sunday morning, Pastor Soon was, was preaching on uh, the subject of Jonah. And uh, during that service, my family was watching together at home. And, and I look over and I noticed my, my eight-year-old son uh, Beck was was over there, eyes closed, tears coming down his cheeks, and he's praying. And the only words I could really make out were "God, I love you." And then another time he said, "I'm so sorry." And then another time he said, "Please forgive me." I didn't know what was going on, and so after the service was over, and our our six year old Emory walked out, I stopped Beck and I said, "Hey, Beck." Um, what was, what was going on in this prayer? What was this about? And, and he just said, Dad, you know, I, I just love Jesus so much. I just love him so much. And I try so hard to be good enough, but I just can't. And I feel so bad. You know, there, there are so many different emotions in that one moment for me. You know one, here is my son uh, crying and so emotional and saying that I love Jesus so much, and that's exciting to me and and then uh, the the other moment, right there with it, my baby boy is overcome with guilt because he isn't good enough, and as a dad, I had to fight the urge to say, "You are good enough you're good you're a good I had to fight that urge because I know really the truth. And so my response to him is really what I want to end by telling all of us, reminding all of us. You don't have to work to be good enough. You just have to trust him. You don't have to work harder to be good enough. You just have to trust him and submit to him and walk with him. Because ultimately, your best efforts and my best efforts will end up leaving me exhausted and spiritually anxious. But when I can learn to take my way off and put his way on, I can live this life with Christ. I can live this new rhythm and new pace with Him. And that's the beauty this morning that no matter where we're at in this, there is an invitation for us to walk in a new way, to live in a new way, a better way, a way with Him. And all we have to do is submit, take your way off and put his on and walk with him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you want to walk with us, that not only have you provided a way, but you are walking with us to carry us through. Help us, God, to see that, to find this new rhythm, this new pace for our our lives. God, I pray that you would just challenge us, stir us to submit and find rest in you. It's your name we pray. Amen.